0: to the value investor tv podcast my name is Becco, and my partner hari hello welcome you guys thank you all for joining in this episode we will be talking about micron technology um again as with the previous episode uh wex i hope you guys enjoyed wex as with the previous previous episode this episode was uh, suggested by one of our trusted listener um so if you guys have uh have companies in your radar that you would like us to look at please send that uh, our way um it would help us uh, to know which companies you guys are interested in uh to produce content that you guys uh, enjoy so please send that over um our email address is always info at valueinvestor.org do you want to give us a quick disclaimer and uh, maybe a few you know, housekeeping keeping items such as Slack and the checklist?
1: Yeah, we'll start with the disclaimer. So this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are a podcast that helps you uh, understand the concepts behind value investing. We are not um, your financial advisor. We don't know your specific financial situation. So before making any financial decisions, uh, please consult with that uh, appropriate advisor. Um, Okay, and then the... uh, you know, we have a couple of ways that you can reach out to us if you want to be like the listener who contacted us about Micron Technologies. To um, You can get a hold of us at info at valueinvestor.org. Um, and we often, uh, well, actually every time that we do a company podcast, we follow a, a specific checklist. Um, you're welcome to call, email us to and access that, uh, to get access to that checklist. Um, and we are also... Um, run a slack community so um slack is an instant messaging service uh group chat type service where you can contact us directly um and Becco and I are on it basically every waking hour um and um <laughs> Becco has no life uh, <laughs> uh and i um and we are able to answer your questions much faster so um uh, and you can interact with the rest of the community, talk to other people who have uh, similar questions, um, and join uh, other people who you know like talking about investing stocks or news, anything related to the uh, value investing uh, world. So uh, if you'd like uh, access to that, please message us, info at valueinvestor.org.
0: Perfect. Uh, so let's get started on Micron Technology. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, like I just said, we're using this checklist and uh, the first question on the checklist is um, what does this company do um, and be able to summarize that in, you know, fairly quickly in less than a couple of, you know, sentences.
0: Yeah. So so Micron Technology, as they define it, I like to always kind of start start off, uh, start this question off with how they define it themselves within the company. So, if you look at the 10K, it says the following: Micron Technology, including its consolidated subsidiaries, is an industry leader in innovative memory and storage solutions. So, what does that actually mean? So, they produce um, they produce memory and storage chips. So, what you know, what people consider in the industry, uh, semi semiconductor industry, they are part of that industry. So, they make small chips that goes into computers, smartphones, uh, tablets, um, game console, and more and more cloud computing, uh, things of that nature. So they make uh, memory. Uh, so you can think about flash drive, for example. Uh, everyday use, we use flash drive to, to storage, uh, to store you know, content, digital content. Uh, you can also think about um, RAM, uh, if you're not familiar with that uh it's it's how um, you know it's how computers uh it's one of the components that is used uh for for computers to operate um and then of course as i mentioned all the memory memory solutions and so they are a giant giant uh, company of a market cap of about 63 billion dollars uh they they're based out of Boise Idaho i thought that was kind of i knew about micron but i had no idea that they were headquartered in Boise so uh you know, <laughs> Boise, Idaho. Uh, they started 40 years ago, 19, uh, 1978. Uh, they are a giant company, as I mentioned, fourth largest semiconductor uh, company. They operate out of 18 different countries, and as you can imagine, they uh, you know they run a huge operation in terms of manufacturing. You need to be able to manufacture these these uh, these memory and storage solu- storage solutions. Uh, at a very low cost. And so you can imagine uh, they have a big presence uh, over in Asia, uh, 13 manufacturing sites total um, in Taiwan, Singapore, Japan, obviously here in the US, China, Malaysia, and many, many subcontractors. Um, just a little bit more highlight on this they have about 27,000 employees, and we'll talk about uh, intangible assets. And they're kind of moat, but they do have a lot of patents uh thirteen thousand over thirteen thousand u s patents and then about five thousand active foreign patents uh so i'll i will i i'll uh leave it there, and then we can dive into uh more specifics uh, in the following questions
1: yeah, boy becco those are those was the longest two sentences i've ever heard it's <laughs> uh, quite long, isn't it? yeah, he just doesn't stop talking, you know uh no you see what i have to put up with like uh yeah so uh you know that's a good start um let's kind of move on to the competitive advantage to see how the how what we just learned you know how does that work um so does they does micron have a competitive advantage and um a- as we talk through that well let's <clears throat> excuse me let's uh discuss that in specific questions so um you know, do you think that they have a moat that would be you know based on their brand, the Micron brand?
0: Yeah, I would say no. Um, I I mean, I think brand is it's interesting because I think you know brand, as I think of it, usually classically, is more of a consumer-facing companies. This is obviously a part of a, an end product. For example, you don't buy Samsung phone because you think that there's a Micron chip in there. Um, So in that sense, it's it's not, I mean, if there is anything, it is minimal. But there is certain elements of uh, brand awareness and, and trust that comes with using Micron if you are Samsung or Huawei or any of these smartphone companies out there. So there's probably some of that, but in the way that we would imagine brand moat, there probably isn't much here. Yeah. And what do you think, Ari.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I think the, you know, as you were talking about that, I think the thing that kind of popped into my head is, you know, I'm sitting next to my, you know, I, I'm a hobbyist, you know, uh, I build my own computers. I have my own, you know, computer rigs. I have three or four of them that are just sitting right next to me. And I can tell you what, CPU is in each one of them. I can tell you what GPU is in each one of them. You know, the brand. Um, I can tell you the motherboard, I can tell you everything, but I have no idea what RAM is in it. Um, and you know, that's what Micron makes, right? And so I am not when I'm a system as a system builder, I'm not thinking, man, I gotta have Micron in my inside or I'm I'm not gonna have the max performance, right? I can tell you how much RAM I have, but I can't tell you who the manufacturer is, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of the decision making is just based on price, which, which should tell you that there isn't really a competitive advantage, in you know from the brand perspective. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's uh, let's keep looking here for um, you know for the the next question that comes up, which is, um, you know do does micron have a a moat based off of network effects so for those of you who don't know what network effects are cuz that one's probably the most ill-defined of these is do consumers of micron benefit from um other people having micron um you know ram or or products
0: yeah i would say i mean i think your example speaks volumes to answer this question i think it's a no um network network effect as we mentioned in the previous episode as well is usually referred is usually invoked when you are talking about classically like facebook is a good example of a network effect um you know in this case there is really no network effect at play right a lot of it is just oh i need a i don't know i need a you know ram and you just pick one off the shelf you don't really think about how many people are using that particular ram yeah and even if you yeah go ahead
1: yeah i I mean i think that's that's important is that it, it there's no real benefit there is benefit though when you think about other components in a computer right um there's a small network effect for having nvidia which is another company that we talked about because the more people that have nvidia the more software that's developed for nvidia then the more demand there is for NVIDIA products because of the software, you know, so it creates a a network of, you know, of feedback loop, basically. Um, But I I just don't see that with RAM here either. So, Mm -hmm. okay, um, moving on to the next uh, type of moat. So is there a moat for Micron based on switching cost? And for those of you who don't remember what that is, um, think about your local uh, bank, right? You have a bank um, that you've used for, you know, since you were in college. That bank, you've opened that account. Um, all of your bill pay is tied to it. All of your things are tied to it. So for you to switch from one bank to another, it's not, you know, difficult. but <laughs> Pleasant. It's not pleasant either. And you, it would require <laughs> you to make a lot of changes. Um, yeah. So the switching costs would be high. So. How do you yeah. think about that with Micron?
0: Uh, so again, I think it's going. I think it's. I think it's a no here. Um, so, I think what you talked about it. What you mentioned about Nvidia, the fact that a lot of people use it. There are components that needs to use Nvidia standards and things like that. If that was the case, switching costs would definitely exist. But in this particular case, I think all of these elements that in, that Micron is selling are pretty much swappable. Um, yep. So in that way, switching costs, I would say no here as well.
1: Okay. Um, so do you think they have a low-cost moat in that they are the low-cost provider of RAM or storage chips or other uh, products?
0: So I think this is an interesting one because as an industry as a whole, the average selling price for all of these products be be it you know different type type of rams or ssd it is going down it is going down quite drastically Um, so from that standpoint the industry as a whole is experiencing downward pressure because it is effectively as we talked about being commoditized all the product is being commoditized so from that perspective there is a kind of overarching theme in this industry in terms of micron specifically i don't I don't think that is the case. I don't think they are the lowest cost provider because of the Chinese entrance into the market. Yep. And we'll talk more about this uh, in the subsequent questions, but Micron's relationship with China, Chinese companies, is a interesting one be- because they sell to Huawei, which is about 13% of their revenue. But at the same time, they receive a lot of products, or raw materials rather, rare earth metal, things like that from China. So they're, they're pretty tied to the Chinese kind of ecosystem, uh, semiconductor uh, tech industry. But at the same time, the place that they serve in as a semiconductor provider, that's also a space that China is looking to get into. And a lot of these companies are you know kind of state-backed and things like that, and they're subsidized. Uh, and so there's a huge comp- competition coming their way. Um. So we'll, we'll talk more about that in the subsequent question. But to answer your question, low low cost provider, m- perhaps in some categories, but
1: it's it's hard to tell. Not not strong enough is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Let's look at the the last uh possible moat or one of the last ones, which is intangible assets. So do you think that Micron has any intangible assets that would allow them to uh, crowd out the market because they, you know, they have a government-provided monopoly, um, such as a patent.
0: Yeah, I think this one is also interesting because they boast that they have all these patents, right? As I mentioned earlier, thirteen thousand patents. That is not an insignificant amount of patents, just in the U.S. And you have five thousand more across you know, different countries. But the problem here is every other company is probably, you know, probably has a war chest of patents. Um, But materially speaking, does that really protect the business? And I think it's a no, because you're effectively producing a commoditized product, right? Um, You can swap out Micron SSD with Samsung SSD, no problem. And Samsung SSD, you know, they're competing against, against. The same kind of technology without any protective protective barrier, really. Um, And this is also something quite interesting, uh, as we'll talk about in in, in, uh, in in the subsequent questions. With patents, there are a lot of patent infringements going on in this industry. Right, people move around from one company to another, and they bring over what they learn, what they've learned in the past, to the next company. And so there's a lot of kind of contention here, but. To to answer your question directly, there is definitely some patents, but it doesn't have any material uh, moat that I can see.
1: Okay. And I, I mean, I, I think the thing that um, a lot of their patents may actually be um, around manufacturing and not necessarily about the actual product itself. So yeah. they may have a manufacturing process that may be more streamlined, faster, cheaper, whatever, um, that they can use to protect, but they're still effectively making a chip that you can replace with something else, right? So how they make it may be different, but um, which may actually lead to a lower cost, um, but I doubt that there's anything in there that says, I can't, I am building a a motherboard that can only use Micron RAM, right? That's just not a thing. Yeah. Um, Okay. Okay. So, you know, I I think one thing that may be interesting to talk about um, that even though they didn't really meet any of the moat criteria, you know, making RAM chips is not something that you and I can just go with $100 and go make start making RAM. Right. So, yeah, if you were a new manufacturer in the RAM game, uh, what would it take to actually come and compete with Micron?
0: Yeah, so I think that question is relevant to the competitive advantage question. Um, And, you know, even though all the things that we talked about, like brand, network effects, switching costs, low cost, intangible assets, those all didn't really pan out, right, when we just ran through them. But what is interesting is that because they're in a pretty complicated, pretty complicated industry, right, and I think complicated in largely two different ways one is a complex supply chain right as we talked about earlier they have huge footprints everywhere across the world especially concentrated in asia malaysia china japan Um, so very complex supply chain and then also as you mentioned very capital intensive manufacturing Uh, so you're talking about building facilities that require billions of dollars of upfront investment Plus additional billions coming in every single year to maintain an upgrade and to stay competitive. And so those two things, complex supply chain, capital, intensive manufacturing, those require a huge, uh, as I mentioned earlier, capital, uh, but also a long, you know, a long um, uh, kind of relationship that you need to have with suppliers because you're talking about a rare earth metal that you can only get from a certain suppliers in China, for example. Um you got a complex web of uh, you know, producers. And so those things would prevent a new entrant coming in. Uh, I think if you and I were to start this, it would be very, very complicated uh, and very arduous process to get it right. And even if we get it right, right, even if we get it right, you're still, you're still having to deal with all these other non-motes of, of the industry brand network effect a lack of brand network effect switching causal cost, cost all these things.
1: Well this would be a bad time to tell you Becco that I was gonna propose <laughs> that we would just <laughs> quit the podcast and start a RAM manufacturing, but oh man. I guess I guess you're not into it, so uh,
0: I don't think so are you? I
1: guess we'll that. just stick to making a podcast about value I investing. So. <laughs> Alright, so how how durable So we didn't really. We found a competitive advantage in that there was a high cost of capital to get started. Actually, I shouldn't use the word cost of capital. A high capital entry to get into this business, right? This is, Mm -hmm. in some ways, kind of like how airlines or other heavy manufacturing um, kind of operate. You have to have a very high amount of capital just to get into the into the game, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to wake up and one day become a you know a make battleships for the U S Navy, right? <laughs> it, it takes money. It takes the time. It takes, you know, so there's, there's strong advantages to doing that. And Micron has some of those because as the in- industry consolidates, um, you know, 30 years ago, there were probably many more manu- ram manufacturers than there are today. And then Micron has bought some and other companies have gone out of business and so on. And so the, as the industry consolidates, um, you know you have a few players that can actually dictate things and then maybe you know the, the the wild card in all of this was kind of china right where china came out of nowhere and they basically subsidized the um the tech to build this stuff and so that's how they've able to been able to compete um mm-hmm. but <clears throat> moving on to the next question so how how durable is this advantage um and what are the risks for that current competitive advantage
0: yeah, so I think what would be interesting to do is maybe just look at the revenue growth, net net income growth, and then free cash growth for the past you know for the past ten years, and then look at look at how they've done, and also look at uh, as you mentioned some of the risks uh, involved here. So if we look at Micron's performance, top line performance. Uh, so as I mentioned earlier, uh, in two thousand nineteen they had a they had a decent year, not so great year. The revenue went down from $30 billion to $23 billion in 2019. But overall, for the past three years, about 20% compounded annual growth rate. For the past five years, 27. For the past 10 years, about 18% compounded annual growth rate. That's just the top line. If we look at uh, net income, for the past 30 years, sorry, p- for the past three years, um this is kind of skewed because 2016 they had a pretty terrible year um so let's say 2019 you're talking about six billion dollars in net income and then say 2013 about 1 billion 2014 3 billion so they are you know they are making good progress in the net income side if you look at free cash flow um so you're talking about for the past four years about 30% growth rate, compounding annual growth rate. So despite kind of the doom and gloom that we painted in terms of competitive advantage, they are doing well. They are doing pretty well in terms of you know these numbers. Now, having said that, I think we should look at some of the risks here, risks involved in this company. So they outright said in the annual annual um, annual letter or annual uh, report that. Average selling price for semiconductor has been falling. So if you just look at RAM, for example, from 2019, from 2018 to 2019, the average selling price dropped 30 percent. NAND dropped 44 percent, and then this, you know, this has been a trend throughout the entire industry, and Micron isn't an exception. And they also talked about declining gross margin. Um, again. With heavy competition, Samsung Electronics, uh, SK Hynix, Toshiba, Western Digital, uh, not to mention all the other Chinese companies coming into the industry, uh, to the market, the, the gross margin is has been eroding slowly over time. Uh, and obviously, this goes to what we talked about earlier in terms of the competitive advantage. Um, so... So those two things I do want to mention, the, the declining uh, average selling price and then declining uh, gross margin. Um, even though uh, you're seeing kind of good good growth rates across across the board in the income statement. Um, what are your thoughts, Hari?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the thing that kind of makes me worry is that when you have businesses like this, that you talk about this with a, that are heavy manufacturing businesses, right? What I'm most interested at this point is what does it actually take to keep this thing maintained, right? Like what is their capex to just keep this thing safe? Right? And we I know we haven't really gotten into that, but you know, you spend a lot of money to get all of these things ramped up, the prices keep declining, and you know, so, but you still have to keep maintaining this because the RAM keeps upgrading, The, the there's newer technology, there's faster um, everything. So where does this stop, right? Where, does the, <clears throat> where do you get squeezed from the top line side, you know, being the price pressure keeps going and eventually you still have to run out, you'll run out of money that you have to spend uh, because, you know, you're getting squeezed on the top line, right? So... How, how how does that all try, tie in? So I think we should just pay attention to that when we talk about valuation. You know,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, just to paint a little bit of color on that, the estimated capex for 2020 was seven to eight billion dollars, and we'll talk about more of this in detail. But you're talking about capex of about that magnitude every single year for the past five years. You're so four billion, five billion, four billion, eight billion, nine billion um and that is per- percentage-wise percentage-wise it is pretty significant, uh, significant amount of money so net net we'll talk about more in detail but uh free cash flow is about 3 billion was well, about 3 billion 8 billion previous year and so relative to that you're talking about a significant chunk of capital going into just maintenance plus you know upgrade
1: yeah okay um so we've, what what do you think are the company's prospects um, and runway for long-term growth? You know, do they have, I mean, this is not just about the company, but it's also about the industry, um, you know, it, people are not using, you know, their c- c- consumer behavior has kind of changed from 10 years ago, most people had desktop PCs, now it's uh, smartphone, mobile, you know, et cetera. Uh, you know, and you have you have different things, and you also have what the competitive landscape looks like. so um, what what are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I imagine some of the very bullish years that they had uh, as a company and as a semiconductor industry as a whole is partly contributed contributable to the rise of smartphones and all these tech that is coming out. Uh, kind of downstream from where they live as a semiconductor industry, right, yeah, so the rise of smartphones, the rise of i don 't know better better computers, the rise of um, recently uh, the cloud computing it is definitely a boon to semiconductor industry, and the question is how long can this continue, and what will be the next growth driver of this? Semiconductor is in service of downstream industries, right. And so, when the downstream industry, for example, like say, uh, uh, say a smartphone manufacturer, experiences significant decline in in you know in, in volume of sales, they, they are going to be affected. So unless unless you know there is some sort of new innovation in the future that is going to drive the 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 the, uh, the semiconductor business, it's going to be hard, I think, to see the kind of growth that they we, that we have seen for the past ten years. Um, so that's that's one thing I'll say another thing I'll say is something that I mentioned as it relates to China uh, so I'll just read you guys a small uh, excerpt from the 10K in particular we faced the threat of increasing competition as a result of significant investment in the semiconductor industry by the Chinese government and various state owned or affiliated entities that are intended to advance China's stated national policy objectives. Um, so there's obviously going to be some competition coming their way. China has a very top-down approach, and if they are determined to do it, they will most likely do it. Uh, and if they're financing it with you know state-backed capital, it's going to be severely subsidized. So So you're going to see a lot of that competition coming into play. The trends that we're seeing in terms of decreasing... Uh, gross margin and, and lowering average selling price ASP is also going to continue with this. Uh, so that's a threat to the long-term prospect. Um, kind of minor thing, but kind of legal proceedings here and there. Um, as I mentioned, there's a lot of patents and people jump around from one company to another. So some legal proceedings, but you know that's not a major threat. But I'll say those two I, I think is a pretty significant threat that we have to consider when we're talking about long-term prospects
1: okay um do you think that the company requires a lot of reinvestment uh, to maintain its business and can it grow further without any further reinvestment so we've already kind of touched on this the um you know you mentioned that the on 60 billion dollars in revenue they're spending about seven or eight in capex uh, Mm -hmm. which is very high. So, um, mm-hmm. what 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 do you want to add to that there?
0: Yeah. So I would add just you know obviously as you mentioned the capex, but also the R and D cost. So if you look at the percentage of revenue R and D going out as an expense, is about ten percent, ten to eight percent. Um. So which is not, you know, which is not like eye popping or anything like that, but it is a cost that that has to go in every year for the upkeep and then as you mentioned the capex so just to give you guys a little bit more color on that um, as i mentioned um, free cash flow of about 3.4 billion dollars but if you look at the if you look at the capex you're talking about 9 billion 8 billion 4 billion right it's it's going up it's it has been going up for a long time. Um, it's been growing, in fact, at about 30% compounded annual growth rate for the past three years, 43% for the past five years, and, and about 14% for the past 10 years. Um, so it is a significant upheap, not to mention all the factories. I mean, those capex is going into some sort of you know plant property equipment. If you look at the spread of where all of their footprints are, uh, you're talking about about $9 billion worth of PPE, property, plan equipment in Taiwan, Singapore, about $8 billion. Japan, $5 billion. U.S., $5 billion. Total, about 20, $28 billion property plan equipment. Uh, so it's a sizable global company that requires, that is hungry for capital every single year, just for the upkeep and plus to stay competitive. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, it it definitely is a capital-intensive
1: business. All right. Um so one more question here before we wrap up this episode and then we'll we'll continue it in the next. Um do does a business have favorable relationships with the following and I think we can be brief about this because I don't think we need to dwell too much on these um this is more about finding red flags. So um any any red flags that you see with their customer relationships?
0: Um, I would say, just the proportion of customers who are uh, who take up significant part of their revenue. So Huawei, I think, is something that comes to my mind, especially with all the talks around banning Huawei. Uh, you know, Huawei's customer being, you know, Western countries, you know, led by U.S. Uh, there's some opposition around using Huawei technology. Micron, twelve um, percent of their revenue is goes to Huawei. So there might be some red flag around there. Uh, That's the only thing that I want to point out.
1: Okay. Um how about with their suppliers?
0: Again with suppliers, um you know very certain rare mineral minerals, rare earth minerals, are primarily coming from China. So with geopolitical risk, there might be some concern there. With you know, with these companies that have manufacturing facilities outside of China, outside of the U.S., especially in China, you're talking about a you're talking about an optimized, you know, very optimized supply chain, very optimized manufacturing facility. But at the same time, when you are so global, it it presents itself to challenges of geopolitical threats, and as we're seeing now with you know things like coronavirus could really impact uh, their operations. So that's something to keep an eye on.
1: Okay, um, any issues that you see with employees, regulators, or the community?
0: Nothing really, nothing really um, outstanding. I mean, I guess one thing, uh, just the patent issues. They're kind of constantly, you know, they're constantly undercurrents of this. You know, of the they're they're always around. So I just you know just just that, but nothing else around employee, regulators, community. I don't see anything. I don't see any red flags.
1: Okay. Um, all right. Well, that, um, you know, covers the first half of our talk about Micron. Um, I think, you know, we have a lot more to g- discuss in the second half, which we talk about more about the profitability, valuation, management. Um, and, you know, at this point in our checklist, we haven't really said that this company was a reject. You know, there there's nothing that just makes us think we don't want to be involved in this business but now we have to kind of decide if we want to be in this company what's the right price um and what are some of the other things that we want to look at um you know or be aware of when we invest so um so with that uh, Becco, you have any other comments no
0: um as i mentioned earlier this you know this company was brought to us by our trusted listeners so if you guys want us to look at a company that you're interested in please send us um what company uh, and, and why, potentially, that could also be interesting for us to know. Um, you just email us at info at All right.
1: Well, um, okay. Thanks for tuning in. And um, I think we'll see you on the next episode.
0: Okay. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.